Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, where we are joined by former Bulls guard BJ Armstrong. You can find him on Twitter at BJ Armstrong. And if you're watching The Last Dance on ESPN each and every Sunday night, you certainly have seen a lot of BJ Armstrong. BJ, we appreciate you hopping on with us today, man. What was the process like for you to be a part of this documentary? Well, uh, first, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, pleasure and hope you and yours and everyone is out there staying safe. Um, yeah, I, you know, you know, I, I don't know what to think. It's always, uh, it's always like a little uncomfortable for me seeing yourself on television. And, and, you know, it's like when I look at other people's life, their life seems way more exciting than my own. And I didn't know my life was really that exciting. So, um, here we are 30 years later and we're talking about things that, you know, that like, I just thought was every day part of, you know, doing my job and, you know, that's what we're doing. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's been interesting to watch the response or listen to the response, especially of the younger people who never got a chance to see Michael play and, and my own kids who never saw me play. So really kind of funny but you know when i when i see myself i'm always like kind of like i'm kind of like i'm like oh no you know what is, what is going on it's uh it's it's like one of those uncomfortable things i think i have uh watching myself on television now bj this process like you said a little uncomfortable and you know you, you kind of go into that but i want to know is there anything that you've seen so far that surprises you that you didn't know while it was going on. And now you're finding out as you watch it, Oh my God, this is going on or this happened. Or I can't believe he said that any of those aha moments. Well, I haven't had any of those. The, the, the one thing um, that has kind of stood out to me is as we're entering into the, the final two episodes of uh, the documentary is, is, you know, I, I would think, or it seems like they're building up to answering the question, what would, make someone live life at this extreme, you know, like how was Michael able to have this level of motivation on one hand, but then on the other hand, you could see the sensitivity, the compassion that he had and respect for the game of basketball. Like he was at these extremes all the time. And um, I think, you know, the answer to that question. So the one thing is, is, you know, I, I'm just speculating as well. I haven't seen the last two series uh, or the last two episodes is, is to answer that question. And um, you can see him get very emotional, I think, in, in this, especially, uh, you know, in seven and eight. You can see what the game means to him, right? You can see the game of how, you know, it didn't matter about all the other things that were going on. What mattered to him is you saw a, a, a young man, a person that was dedicated to his craft, had dedicated his life to perfecting his craft. And he was truly an artist at work. And we all got a chance to see what happens when you bring that level of focus and attention to detail, what can happen. So 
Um, I, I think I'm really looking forward to seeing 9 and 10 just to see how they uh, put a nice bowl on this. We're talking with former Bulls guard B.J. Armstrong here on Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. B.J., you talked a little bit about this in the documentary, and so did some of your teammates, but I'd be curious to kind of expand on it a little bit. What was it like to play with Michael Jordan in those times? The the demand that he had for all of you guys to raise to his level, what what was the difficulty of playing with a guy like that? You, you know, I, as I was listening and, and look, I, you know, everyone, you, you take everyone's views and, and clearly, you know, I, I think that's what, you know, people see things from different perspectives. But uh, personally, I didn't find it difficult to play with him because it was, it was there was only one focus, right? We were there to win. We weren't there to, you know, um, you know, you know, in the sense we weren't there to like pat each other on the back and tell each other, you know, what we needed to hear. You know, we told each other what we wanted to hear. We told each other what we needed to hear. And, you know, the thing that I always appreciated about Michael and I appreciated about that group is where we we were all a bunch of truth tellers and we were going to tell each other and express our truth. And we were all tough enough mentally to accept that, to take that. So for me to play with certainly our best player was willing to go down that path of telling the truth as we saw it. It didn't mean it was right or wrong. Um, to me, it was great. It, it, it just gave us one focus. It was clear either we were all in, we were all out. And uh, with this group, we were all in this together. And uh, certainly our best player, you know, that fit his personality. It fit kind of who we were as a group. And uh, it just made us a tough group um, to play. And uh, because we had this sense of, like, we could police ourselves in, 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 a, in a sense is that we all – took on the responsibility of the group and uh, we cherished that moment. So I was fine with it. I was fine with how he came about and did his business. And he was fine about how I came about and did my business. As long as we got the results we were looking for, I didn't see that being a problem at all. Now, BJ, do you think the way Michael approached practice and even in games and him being, you know, you watch some of the clips and it looks like he's standing off kind of being a coach slash player with you guys. Do you think that, elevated your team to a higher level and if michael had been different if he had been more laid back how would that have affected the success of the chicago bulls in that era well you know you know once you have an opportunity to experience success you know you you gotta you 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 have to make a choice and the choice is you know for us who had all been through you know the losing part of that now, you, once you experience the winning part of that, you have to make a choice because the other side of that success is the failure, the heartache, and all of those other things. So when you're, when you're the best of the best, you have to live in that moment. And the moment is, is if you go in there and there's any you know, sense of hesitation or you have any sense of, of doubt, that is the difference between winning and losing. So... Um, I've been on the other side of that. You know, I've lost. I've lost my fair share of games. I've lost in big games. And to me, it makes perfect sense because you understand the difference between winning and losing could be just one possession. And you have to embody everything that winning is going to involve. And that means a commitment, right? You have to be committed to this life. You have to be committed to how you prepare. You have to be committed every single day in practice if you're going to play the game at the highest level, right? Playing in the playoffs, 
you're playing where every possession means something. And that is the difference between winning and losing. So to someone who hasn't experienced that, I get it. But to those of us who have, that was just a way of life. And if you didn't understand it, then that probably wasn't the place for you. And um, you don't win at that level unless you have that attitude. And that's just the price of winning. And, um, you know, I, I get how it could come off. I get, you know, people say they want to win, but, you know, saying it and then actually doing it is two different things. And, and being able to execute it, you know, that's, that's very difficult. So I, I understand it, and I'm just very fortunate that I was able to experience it. So it makes perfect sense to me. We're talking with B.J. Armstrong. He's a former Bulls guard, and he's joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. BJ, you told some great stories last night about the Space Jam Dome, the Jordan Dome that was set <laughs> up uh, while he was the filming Space Jam. I, I'd be curious, can you, can you take us inside of that? You, you talked about some of the scrimmages that were going on at that time. Can you tell us a little bit, take us inside as to maybe a story that you saw of some of those scrimmages, some of the guys that were going out there, what that was like for all of you? Well, you know, I, I think what you what you saw was Michael was well aware that uh, when he did finally decide to make the return, he just didn't have enough time to get himself in the condition that was necessary for him. And, yes, he was great. He was able to play at a high level, but he held himself to a higher standard, and it just wasn't enough time for him to get the repetitions that was necessary to get in the type of game shape. So, um, you know, he had the idea to utilize the summer – to get those game reps and try to recreate what it would be like to play in the game. And, yes, he had committed. I remember he committed to uh, filming the movie, and I just thought it was really going to not be enough time for him to do it, right? He was going to film all day. He started like 6 or 7 in the morning or something, and then he was going to film, and then he had to work out because he was still working on his body to make sure that he was strong enough to – to withstand the pounding and all the, the demands of the season. And then on top of it, you know, you have to play because there's no substitute for playing, right? You can work and do all the things on a machine, but, you know, you got to get out and play and feel bodies and, and bump around a little bit, cut, get your body used to that. But, you know, um, I give him credit. I've never seen someone have that level of energy and that attention to detail for that length of time, right? He would do this every single day. He would start at 6 or 7, the day went into 9 or 10, he'd get something to eat, and he'd do it all over again. So his basketball spirit or the way he was able to muster up that type of energy to do that for an entire summer is one of the more amazing things I've seen because he knew what he needed to get done, but it was just such a demand on your body to do that and give him all the credit. He put in the work. And when the season began, he was just so prepared because he had spent so much time uh, playing and preparing for that season. All of the players were there, all of the All-Stars. You know, you saw Patrick Ewing, you saw Reggie Miller, you saw Dennis Rodman, you know, Juwan Howard. All of the guys were there, and he took on that challenge every day, and he just did it, you know, with such, you know, focus. And he was really determined that summer to get himself where he needed to be because he needed to make up time because he had missed so well he had missed you know at least a year and a half when he went away to play baseball. 
BJ, I'm curious. We saw your former teammate Horace Grant talk about when he played against Jordan and his teammate on Orlando kind of gave Jordan some uh, some smack talk about 45 to 23. But your game against Jordan, when you had your big game and you were talking to Jordan on the court, did you know what you were getting yourself into for the rest of that series? <laughs> well, you know, if I can go back into that moment of time, you know, uh, Look, when you compete, you know, you, you, like I said, you know, earlier, when you compete, you got to make a choice. Either you're going to compete or you're just going to, like, say, hey, this, you're going to, like, admit, you know, to you can't win the game. So I, I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew why we were there. And uh, we had a really good team. We felt good about our team. We had some really terrific players, Dale Curry, Glenn Rice, you know, Vladi Divac, the late, you know, Anthony Mason. We had a really good team. So, uh, look. Michael was Michael, but you know what? We had to go and do what we had to do, which was try to win the game. So uh, I understood it then. I understood it now. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're going to play, play to win. So I had learned that in Chicago. And I think, you know, knowing my teammates and knowing where I came from, I don't think any of those guys would have expected anything less, right? I had been through enough battles in my life to understand as a player, to understand that why you're there. But, it's kind of funny to watch. I was laughing the whole time. It, it, it makes a great story, great theater. But, you know, listen, you know, the, the thing, the, the technical part of the adjustments that, you know, the team was able to make, talking about the Bulls and Michael made, to me, that was what was great, made it so fun. But certainly, uh, you know, when you're young, hey, you got to try it, right? And, uh, you know, you got to try to win the game and, you know, and, and make him earn it, right? If he's going to be the best, you got to at least make him earn it. So that's all we're trying to do. We have fun doing it. Final two quick hitters with BJ Armstrong, the former Bulls guard, joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. BJ, I don't want you to take the political answer here, but the better yeah. team is something that we've been discussing a lot while we've been watching this documentary. Do you think it's the 92 Bulls or the 96 Bulls, in your opinion? Um. I, 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 I firmly believe that the 92 Jordan, you know, the 92 Jordan to me, physically, he was just a force. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's the year. I think we won 67 games. Look, the 96, I know I can't remember all these teams. Uh, <laughs> the one that won like 90, one that won 72 games. Yeah, right? 96. That was, a, that, was a, that was an excellent team. Um, you know, they played well. They had great chemistry. Um, I thought they were, you know, Things just fell into place for them. Uh, but that 92 Jordan was just a force. He was physically, he was at his peak um, or somewhere near his peak, wherever that peak is. But 92, I mean, he was, he was undeniable what he could do with his stamina, the way he prepared, the way he could play and, 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 and do that for 94 feet. And then the things he was able to do. So um, I, 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 if you were to ask me, I would say that 92 Jordan, there's no way that guy's losing to the 96 Jordan because the 92 Jordan was just, I mean, he was, I mean, he's always been incredible, but I just remember physically he was just doing things that you just couldn't believe. His ability to respond on back-to-back -back nights and the energy he brought to the game. And, you know, he's always had the intelligence and intellectually how he approached the game. But physically, where he was at was just like it was mind blowing because he could just do things and he could just repeat them over and over and over again. And he was doing them in practice, he was doing them in the games, 
and he was able to respond and just go places physically he hadn't seen. Obviously, mentally, he had all the toughness, and the combination was just lethal in 92, which I just said, you know what, there was nothing going to stop him, um, especially that year. And I think we won like 60, 67 games, I believe, that year. And mm-hmm. I have no doubt that it was, uh, he was just he was, he was unreal that year. Final thing for you, BJ. Uh, we saw last night uh, just a few of the things that Jordan did. He laughed at the idea that Gary Payton made things difficult for him in the 96 finals. He was taken aback by the fact that George Carl walked past him at dinner and didn't say anything to him. He said that you staring him down was ultimately what fueled him in that 98 postseason game. The 93 story with LeBradford Smith telling him after the game, nice game, Mike, and it apparently never happened. All of these things seem a little bit petty of what Jordan was doing. Do you think that is fair to say that Jordan had a little bit of pettiness to him? Well, you know, look, I I think we look at these things and and the big question is what allows someone to live at that extreme, right? He achieved everything you could achieve individually. He achieved and won championships, but then what kept him sharp and kept him on edge to where he always found a way to be at his best. That, to me, is what excellence is all about. And we're looking at it from a literal standpoint, and I'm looking at it like here is someone that lived life at that extreme because the game meant that much to him, right? It wasn't, he never, ever rested on what he achieved. He never allowed him to have slippage. He kept hungry. He kept himself sharp. And most importantly, he had this appetite to continue to keep moving forward when it would only be natural to like say, Hey, I've achieved everything. So he found ways to keep himself engaged, which, you know what, when you're playing 82 games and you're playing every single day and you're doing the same thing, the monotony of the season, just it weighs on you. He found a way to keep himself engaged in the game. Bravo for him. So that to me is the work of a genius. He found a way to make something that he had every reason to have slippage. He had every reason to have a letdown. It's only natural when you're at the top to have a little slippage. Well, he didn't. He found a way to stay on edge. He found a way to keep himself sharp. He found a way to motivate himself. And we're all trying to give ourselves an advantage. And he was competing with himself. Like, I can't think of anything better than to, to go out and live life to the fullest, because certainly he did that. He's B.J. Armstrong, former Bulls guard. He's on Twitter at B.J. Armstrong. B.J., we really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today, and uh, all the best to you and your family. Stay safe and stay healthy out there. Okay, you guys too, and thank you again for having me on. Absolutely. That's B.J. Armstrong joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. A lot to react to there. Mm -hmm. We went a little bit long with him. We're going to push the junk drawer to 1 o'clock, but coming up next, there's something he said that reminds me of what was the biggest storyline of the offseason. I'll explain it next on 101 ESPN.